You are listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast from Freedom Fellowship Church in Tontytown, Arkansas. Our mission is to love God, love others, and serve both. And now let's listen in to this week's sermon. What we're going to be looking at in the Gospel of Luke is like sitting down to a 72-ounce steak. Take away the challenge. You don't have one hour to do this, but um, really what we're doing is this is a monumental task, what we're doing today. What we're going to do is we're going to cover the entirety of Luke chapter 21 today. Now, what we could do is we could really take our time on this. We could devote the next couple months to just studying Luke chapter 21, and it's concerning things to come, concerning prophecy, basically the end times. That's kind of what Jesus is is warning about. There are many ministries, just do a Google search, turn on your TV, many ministries that dedicate their entire body of work to Luke 21 or Matthew chapter 24. There is a lot to this. Now, when we go through this, that's not to diminish its importance. It is simply to kind of take the entire thing, and we're not going to read it verse by verse. I encourage you this week in your own study time, and it probably take you more than a week, but reread through Luke chapter 21. And I would take it a step further, read through Matthew chapter 24 and 25. Also look at Mark chapter 13. That will give you a better understanding of what Jesus is talking about. But again, this is not to diminish and say, okay, let's just, I, I, I don't know the answers, so let's just gloss over it real quick. No, that's not what today is about. What we're going to look at today is to draw out from the text what is necessary for myself, what is necessary for you to share the message of hope that Christ brings, even in the worst of circumstances. And also today we're going to do things a little bit out of chronological order in Luke chapter 21. And as we go through this, you'll see why um, we're going to kind of jump around a bit is because it will make more logical sense in our brains. So before we do this, let's go ahead and pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. Thank you for this gathering of people. Father, we thank you for your written word. We thank you that we are able to essentially feast on your word today. Lord, that we ask your Holy Spirit to be our guide through this particular study today, that he illuminate the things in scripture that are vital to us. And Father, we just ask that your Holy Spirit also just reignite a passion inside of us so that we can not be intimidated by what your word says, but Father, that we come to it with an attitude of meekness, which means to be teachable. And Father, as we approach that, we want to remain teachable in this. And Father, we give you all of the praise, honor, and glory because you are worthy of it. It's in Jesus' name we pray and ask this, and amen. Okay, so like I said in that prayer, there is a lot of intimidation when it comes to Matthew chapter 24 and 25, Luke 21, and Mark 13. Because here's the thing, I'm going to kind of spoil the ending. No one knows everything for sure. Concerning the end of, of times, the, the 
things to come. A lot of people take their best guess at it, but they're not going to be right 100% of the time. A lot of people put a calendar saying, okay, here's when this is going to happen, this is going to happen, but that date will come and go, and they're like, oh, yeah, see, I forgot to carry the one, and that they make all of these excuses as to why. There's certain things that we are not going to know. So as we approach this text, we're going to approach that as we don't know for sure, but we seek the Lord truly with humility in our hearts and asking the Holy Spirit, show us, show us. That's going to be our approach here today. But before we get to that, I want to read a quote by U.S. Admiral James Stockdale. And if, if you have ever heard of him, he was a uh, U.S. Navy admiral who was a prisoner of war for seven years during the Vietnam War. And in regards to how can you, to put it modern, how can you see the light at the end of the tunnel? How can you have hope in such a strange circumstance? And I want to read you this quote. He says, you must never confuse faith that you will prevail in the end, which you can never afford to lose. You can never uh, confuse that with the discipline to confront the most brutal facts of your current reality, whatever they might be. Now, that's a, a good quote to look at because when we ask ourselves, how can I have hope in the future based on what I see on Fox and CNN? Anytime I turn on the news or scroll the news on, on social media, it is bleak. It is, oh my gosh, I think I'm guilty of saying this many times. Lord Jesus, come quickly when I hear of something. It's like, okay, get us out of this, this mess that we're in. But that quote is good for us to remind ourselves to have hope, even in the, the worst of circumstances. As Admiral Stockdale was in, being a prisoner of war for seven years, beaten, starved, just truly uh, abused, but how can you have that hope? So we're taking that same outlook, that same question. How can I have hope in what I see around me in this current situation? So as we go into this, we need to understand what was going on during Luke chapter 21. This is in the final week of Jesus's life. In fact, just a couple of days from the day that he is executed or crucified. So what he was doing, let's look at Luke chapter 21, starting in verse number 37. It says, Every day Jesus went to the temple to teach, and each evening he returned and spent the night on the Mount of Olives. The crowds gathered at the temple early each morning to hear him. So that's what was going on during this particular Passion Week, during these last couple days. And if you have missed any of the events kind of leading up to this, I encourage you to go back and rewatch our messages or download the podcast because there is a lot leading up to where we're at in this. So that's at the end of chapter 21. Let's go to the very beginning. Let's look at chapter 21, starting in verse number one. This is what Jesus is doing. He is teaching, but he is also preaching the kingdom of God and he's also, anybody paying attention? What else was he doing that week? There's one other thing. He was healing people in the temple. 
that took the blood pressure, angry blood pressure, of the Pharisees and Sadducees from here to here. Ultimately, it's going to kind of boil over. Um, but they did not like this. And so one of the things that he was teaching, before we get into the end times and the prophecy and all of that, I don't want to gloss over um, the parable of the widow's mites. So this is found in Luke chapter 21, starting in verse number one. It says, as Jesus looked up, he saw the rich putting their gifts into the temple treasury. He also saw a poor widow put in two very small copper coins. Truly, I tell you, he said, this poor widow has put in more than all the others. All these people have their gifts out of their wealth, gave their gifts out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had to live on. Now, Jesus is teaching, and he stopped and was like, aha, see, this is a teachable moment. We see what's going on here. We have the rich coming by out of their abundance, putting in their money into the temple treasury. But here comes this poor widow, literally poor. She, had, she put in two Jewish lepta, which are the two smallest coins. Think of two pennies. If you can rub two pennies together, that's the equivalent of what she had to live on, but also what she offered to the Lord. She, they gave out of her, their abundance. She gave everything that she had, and she gave sacrificially. This represented her attitude towards God, not what the Lord thought of her. She didn't do it to get a little pat on the back, you know, uh, attaboy from, from Christ. She did it because that was her attitude towards the Lord. She put in more than all the others, assuming the rich people put in a whole lot more financially, which I take it to the bank, pun intended, that they did put in a whole lot more than she did, but they were doing it, eh, if I have a little something left over, I'll you know, throw a couple shekels their way. But this woman gave sacrificially, and she put in more than all the others. So that in and of itself, I think, is, is just amazing. But as Luke records this in chapter 21, what he does is things shift, starting in verse number 5. Again, I'm going to encourage you to go back and reread the entirety of of chapter 21 along with Matthew 24 and 25 and Mark 13 because there is a whole lot that we just cannot cover in here. So this is turning from that teachable moment that Jesus had in teaching about that poor widow's attitude towards God and what he does is he shifts because they are there in the temple and they're kind of looking around and they begin to have a discussion. So let's pick this up. Luke 21, verse number 5, says, Some of his disciples were remarking about how the temple was adorned with beautiful stones and with gifts dedicated to God. But Jesus said, Time is coming when all of these things will be completely demolished. Not one stone will be left on top of one another. Teacher, they asked, when will all this happen? What sign will show us that these things are about to take place? Okay, now here we go. We're going to launch into this. We're going to go through it. Everybody's kind of metaphorically locking arms. We're going to go through this step by step. And what we're going to do is we're going to kind of have, hopefully have a better understanding. And by the way, before we get into this, I do like to tell people to be Berean. Be 
Berean. If you know what that is, in Acts chapter 17, Paul went to the area of Berea. And what they did, it says that they checked the scriptures daily to see if what the Apostle Paul was saying was true. So that is a good reminder for all of us. Be Berean. Not just for me, not just for Tom or Eric or Nate. Every single Bible teacher that you listen to, every daily devotional, go to the Word of God and double check their math. Check my math. Do that. Don't be, you know, and I'm not saying be suspicious of people, but if you are following along and you are doing your own study, you can check to see, okay, mm, nope, nope. That's a red flag. I, mm, I don't think that's what that means. But check everyone. Check it with the Word of God. So be Berean, Acts chapter 17. Okay, so we're going to pick this up in verse number 12. You may be thinking, okay, what about verses 8 through 11? We're going to get to those. But I want to point out, this is chronologically what is going to happen. So what we have is this is going to be talking about the first part of the tribulation. The tribulation is a time after the church is raptured out of here that this period of seven years is going to be essentially hell on earth. The first three and a half is going to be bad, but then the second three and a half is going to be even worse. So what Jesus is talking about, remember the disciples, his apostles, appointed apostles, asked him questions, saying this beautiful temple here in Jerusalem, he said every stone is going to be removed from one another. Basically, it's going to be rubble. They're like, okay, that's a big thing, big claim that you're making. When's this going to happen? What are going to be the signs leading up to it? That was their questions. So let's pick this up in verse number 12 of chapter 21. Jesus says, but before all this occurs, which we're going to get to that in a minute, but before all this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. You will be dragged into synagogues and prisons, and you will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. But this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. So we see that there is, there is good news within this period of, of tribulation. That he's saying, some of you are going to be persecuted. You will be dragged into synagogues and prisons. You will stand trial before kings and governors because you are my followers. And Jesus says, that's bad, but where's the good in that? Verse number 13. That will be your opportunity to tell them about me. Meaning, that should be hopeful for us is if there is any kind of persecution or anything like that in the United States, which by sheer mathematics, we are not seeing anywhere even remotely close to the persecution that Christians around the world are seeing. Places like China, Haiti, anywhere in the world. They are, do you follow Christ? Yes, boom, they're killed on the spot. Churches in China meet underground secretly to worship our king. To do what we are doing this morning, they have to meet in secret because the government will kill them because Christianity is such a threat. There is persecution around the world, including here in the United States, but not to the extent that we see around the world. But Jesus is saying, 
this will be your opportunity to tell them about me. That is hopeful that despite the circumstances, remember that quote from Admiral Stockdale, that we don't ever want to hold on to that, but we look beyond the circumstances to remain hopeful, to remain speaking the gospel of Jesus Christ, despite being dragged in front of kings and, and governors and uh, dragged into synagogues and prisons. But he goes on to say this, and I don't, I don't have this on the slide. Verse number 17 of Luke 21, and everyone will hate you because you are my followers. The world is going to hate you. Now, this is in the period, the time of tribulation. We're not going to get into, is it a pre-tribulation rapture, mid-tribulation rapture, post-tribulation rapture? Is there a rapture? We're not going to get into that today. But this is what Christ is talking about during this time of tribulation. Then, after that first period of tribulation, I want you to watch this. Let's back up to verse number 8. says, he replied, don't let anyone mislead you, for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah, and saying the time has come, but don't believe them. And when you hear of wars and insurrections, don't panic. Yes, these things must take place first, but the end won't follow immediately. Then he added, nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be great earthquakes and there will be famines and plagues in many lands. There will be terrifying things and great miraculous signs from heaven. So you have, and let me read just the first part of verse number 12 so that you can kind of piece it all together. All of that stuff, verse 12, but before this occurs, there will be a time of great persecution. So Jesus is saying, here's what's going to happen. But before that, is this. So it's a little bit out of order, so that's why we're going through chronologically today. Now, <clears throat> nation will go against nation, will war against nation, kingdom against kingdom, earthquakes, many uh, famines, plagues, all of that kind of stuff. Jesus said in Matthew 24, these are just the beginning of the birth pangs. That is just the beginning during this time of tribulation. So let's kind of fast forward a little bit. We go three and a half years, and then something is going to happen. The Antichrist will be revealed. And you can look that up in Daniel chapter 9. When the Antichrist is revealed after that period of three and a half years, then it's going to get even worse. That ushers in the second three and a half year period. So a total of seven years. Three and a half, Antichrist revealed, latter three and a half years. Watch, let's jump down to verse number 20. Luke 21, 20. And when you see Jerusalem sounded by armies, then you will know that the time of its destruction has arrived. Then those in Judea must flee the hills. Those in Jerusalem must get out, and those out in the country should not return to the city. For those days will be the days of God's vengeance, and the prophetic words of the scriptures will be fulfilled. So we have this second period of, of three and a half years where all of that, everyone is going to flee from 
Jerusalem. Why? Because the Antichrist is going to set up his throne in Jerusalem. It is going to be, and you can jot this down, do some research on it, the abomination that causes desolation. That he is going to make an abomination of the temple there in Jerusalem. So that's what Jesus is referring to. All of these, the temple is going to be torn down. An abomination is going to be set up in that by the Antichrist. That's bad. But there is hope on the horizon. Let's keep going in verse number 25. Jesus says this, There will be signs in the sun, the moon, and the stars. And on the earth, nations will be in anguish and perplexity at the roaring and tossing of the sea. People will faint from terror, apprehensive of what is coming, of what is coming to, on the world, and the heavenly bodies will be shaken. Here is the good news. Verse 27, At that time they will see the Son of Man coming in a cloud, with power and great glory. When these things begin to take place, stand up and lift up your heads because your redemption is drawing near. That is the hope of all who have to go through this period of seven years. At the end of that seven years, we are going to see Christ coming. Those who are here, I should say. Matthew puts it this way. He says, as lightning flashes in the east and shines to the west, here's the thing, no one is going to miss when Christ comes back. There's not going to be like, oh, was that something? Was that? Okay. I, th I thought I heard something. I'm not sure. It was just a cat running down the hall, whatever. No. No one will miss it. It is going to be... Amazing. But Christ is returning with his army of holy angels. That's what's going to have. That's what's going to happen. That there is that judgment that is coming. But there's a final warning. Look down at verse number 34. Jesus says this Watch out. Don't let your hearts be dulled by carousing and drunkenness and by the worries of this life. Don't let that day catch you unaware like a trap, for that day will come upon everyone living on the earth. And if you look at the parallel in Matthew 24 and even Mark 13, it says, like the days of Noah. He says, it's going to be like that. Don't, don't be like those people in the days of Noah. But look at verse 36. Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Now, what we have just done is we have kind of walked through what is going to happen. The things that are going to play out according to Christ himself. That's not my opinion of what's going to happen. We just simply read the text. Here is what is coming down the pipeline. But again, with every message from this pulpit, we should be asking ourselves, so what? This great, great stuff, good order that it was put in, so what? What does this all mean? How can I remain hopeful in reading this? 
And you may be thinking, I have unsaved family members. Why is what you're talking about, why is this important? You may be thinking, I've got health issues. Why are you talking about things to come and all of that? This is interesting, but why should I need to know it? I've got physical ailments. Why should I be listening to this? I'm glad you asked. Because there's three things that I want us to take away from this. Number one, again, going back to that quote from Admiral Stockdale and asking ourselves that question, how can we remain hopeful even in the the worst of circumstances? When we read Luke 21, it's like, oh my gosh, that is like the worst of the worst of the worst. Yes, that is God's judgment on this earth. But our hope, our hope as Christians is found in the work of Christ. That is understanding that he came to redeem us back to the Father. He did his part. His part was extending grace. Our part is reaching up by faith to that grace. That's how salvation happens. His part, again, is grace. Our part is responding to it. We are saved from an eternity apart from him. Now we have eternal life when we place saving faith in Christ. We get to spend an eternity with him in perfect health. See, when we leave this earth suit, this earth body, earthen body, I should say, we are going to have perfect bodies up there. You may be looking at me like, that's the perfect body right there. I know, I know. But even more perfect than than what you're seeing. I wonder if people are like, okay, they just turned it off. They're like, okay, yeah. Yeah. Tom was about to get up and walk out. Um, But the eternal, that's, that eternity is a very, very long time. That is what we get to experience is to be in the presence of our creator, our Lord, our King for eternity. All of this is because of his work of redemption. It's not us, we get to, you know, do all of, the, all of these good works and all. No, it is not because of our works. Paul even said, it's not about you. It's not your works, lest any man should boast. It is about the work of Christ, his work on the cross for our redemption. So the first point, our hope is found in the work of Christ. Our second point, debating the chain of events will continue. Like I said at the start of this message, theologians for years, centuries, have debated, okay, what? how is this all going to play out? Everybody thinks they have the right answer. The truth is, we just don't know for sure. But we will know all of these answers one day. Not today, but we will know them. So I encourage you to study. Be Berean. Study Luke 21, Matthew 24 and 25, and Mark 13. Look at this. Try to put kind of the pieces together. Prayerfully study. Don't get intimidated. Don't get overwhelmed by it, but truly seek the Lord in this process. Study it. Yes, but understand no one has it all figured out, myself included. 
But to that point, we remain hopeful in His work, not our own. Amen? The third point, so let me just recap. Number one, our hope is found in the work of Christ. Second point, debating the chain of events will continue. It's the year 2022. In 50 years, they're still going to be debating, you know, oh, this comes first before this and all of this kind of stuff. It's going to continue. The third point I want to make here this morning, like Christ said, be aware. Be aware. You had false messiahs then, you have false messiahs now. That was back in, it was early on. Verse number eight, don't let anyone mislead you for many will come in my name claiming I am the Messiah saying the time has come, but don't believe them. That was from the words of Christ. And I want to take you guys back to around 2006, 2007. I was working at the television station in Amarillo. There's a big television coverage area, what they call the DMA, that incorporated parts of the Oklahoma Panhandle, southwest Kansas, I almost said southeast, southwest Kansas, parts of Colorado, and then northeastern New Mexico, in eastern New Mexico. About two hours from Amarillo, there's a little town called Clayton, New Mexico, and one of my friends he may be watching, Guy, is from there. There was a man by the name of Wayne Bent. Wayne Bent. He had a pretty good size of loyal followers. Now, what's unique about Wayne Bent is he said, let me, let me get the quote right here in verse number eight, I am the Messiah. That's what he claimed, that I am Christ incarnate. So, follow me and do what I say. Now, this guy was an old man, old white guy named Wayne, who claimed that he was the Messiah. Whatever happened to Wayne Bent, you may be asking? I mean, because he had loyal, loyal followers. Where is Wayne Bent today? I haven't checked, but either dead or in the New Mexico Department of Corrections because he used his messianic, messianic influence to sleep with 10 to 14-year-old girls, saying, but I'm the Messiah. You need to do what I say. I'm the Messiah. Okay. So the parents would allow this to happen. Thankfully, people were able to defect and go alert the authorities, and this sick pervert was arrested and spent the rest of his life in prison. Rightfully so. He used that influence saying to vulnerable, vulnerable people, spiritually vulnerable people, I can't talk this morning, vulnerable, there we go. I'm the Messiah. So when Jesus said it in Luke 21, fast forward to 2006, same kind of thing happened. Let's rewind a little bit further back to, I want to say 1993. You guys remember Waco, Texas, the Branch Davidians? 
man by the name of David Koresh. Same thing. He said, first to get the people kind of hooked, and a lot of people, some sound theologically until this. He said, God gave me revelation. Just me. Not you. Just me. On specifically the end times. Ezekiel 38, 39, Revelation, Luke 21, Matthew 24, Mark 13. God gave me revelation, so he began to get a bunch of loyal followers. Loyal, even to the death. But then, what did he do? He said, well, I'm actually the Messiah. The Messiah is right here. So people, again, it was true in Luke 21, it was true in 1993 with David Koresh. There are false messiahs out there. There were then, there are now. Also, this is under the, the last point of, like Christ said, be aware. Be aware that there are false messiahs out there. Also, be aware of date setters. If you guys remember, I think it was 2011. Was it May, was it May 21st, 2011? Do you guys remember that? They're like, oh, the rapture's going to happen. I mean, people got into a stir, all that kind of stuff. Guess what? That date came and went. That was the guy who was probably like, wow, took a step back at his chalkboard. I did forget to carry the one. Let me, okay, so I, I, that was my fault. No, people are going to continue to set dates of this is going to happen. There's going to be blood moons. Something big is going to happen. All of this kind of stuff. That was true back then. That will continue to be true today. None have been right, nor will they be, because all of these things are left up to the Lord. Remain prayerful about everything. So when we talk about being aware, remain aware. Verse 36 says, Keep alert at all times and pray that you might be strong enough to escape these coming horrors and stand before the Son of Man. Here's the bottom line, the absolute bottom line. Jesus is going to return. He is coming to judge. He is coming to execute his righteous judgment. We need to remain hopeful about this. As Christians, we can sit there and kind of, you know, oh no, what's going to happen? All of these things are going to play out. Oh my gosh, I better just stay at home. I don't want to, no, we should actually do the opposite. We should take this message of hope that Christ came to preach the kingdom of God, the gospel of Jesus Christ, that salvation is found through him and through him alone. We should take this outside of these walls for those who are watching online to your neighbors, to your friends, to your workplace, to the grocery store, take this message of hope and share it because our family members, we want them to be saved. We want them to be eternally by our side in the presence of our creator. We don't want them to go through what is talked about in Luke chapter 21. So that's why it should be a rallying cry for each and every one of us that we should take this message of hope in light of Luke 21. Say, okay, all of that stuff is going to happen. I love you enough. I don't want you to go through that. I'm going to present the gospel to you. Now it's up to the Holy Spirit to go to work on your heart. Not me, not with my eloquent speaking and all of this kind of stuff to convince you 
to place saving faith in Christ. We simply, as Christians, present the gospel. Say, this is the work of Christ, what he came to do. It's now up to them to respond to that grace through faith. The Holy Spirit kind of making all of this happen, and they become saved. Saved from what? Saved from Luke 21. Matthew 24 and 25 and Mark 13. So I encourage you this week, study. Study that prayerfully approach these texts and truly take this message not as one of fear, but one of hope that we have in Christ and his work and understanding that he came to save us from his judgment that will ultimately come. Heavenly Father, we thank you again for your word that went forth here today. Father, we thank, we thank you for your text that helps us understand what is coming down the pipeline, but not to be fearful at all, but to remain hopeful as followers of Christ that we share that message that he came and died and was resurrected for us. Why? Because you loved us so much that you sent him to do that. Father, we ask that you give us the words to speak, the, that we can boldly proclaim the good news about Christ, not to scare people into anything, but to truly present that message of hope to them. Maybe they have never heard it. Maybe they've heard it a million times. But Father, we just ask that you use us to help further your kingdom. That we allow your Holy Spirit to lead us maybe where it's not comfortable where we want to go. Maybe it's down a path with someone that we just want to avoid. But if the Holy Spirit is leading us to do that, Father, we jump in with both feet. Because that would mean that your kingdom grows by at least one. And Father, that that person can go and share the gospel of Jesus Christ with someone else. Father, we thank you for these things. And pray them and ask them in the name of Jesus. And amen. Thank you so much for listening to the Freedom Fellowship audio podcast. We are located at 990 West Henry de Tonti Boulevard in Tontytown, Arkansas. You can check us out on the web at freedomfellowship.com or you can find us on social media by searching Freedom Fellowship NWA. We hope you have a great week and that you live out the mission of the church, which is to love God, love others, and serve both.